This is Sunday morning worship service here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church. And for our senior pastor, Jerry Barbie, is Reverend Mike Capps. Today's message is unstoppable. We'll start off with the praise team with Victory Shall Be Mine. This service was recorded July the 25th of 2021. There's a battle we're engaged in. There's a goal
Sister Maria, that handkerchief I gave you was the one I brought to prayer for the nation 
this past Friday, it's, you, you just kissed it. It's got my tears and all. It's, it's, got, it's got my tears and all that stuff. It don't, you don't care, do you? Amen. That person that you're, sa- that you're praying for to be saved, take it and put it under the pillar or under the mattress where they sleep on, and they won't sleep. God will put them under conviction. They won't sleep. They, God's going to keep them awake all night long if he has to. They, they won't sleep. Praise the Lord. I, that, I use that from something my mama did a long time ago. She said that there was somebody in the family that wasn't saved and they anointed a prayer cloth and they slipped it in the pillowcase or under the mattress or whatever. <laughs> and, and, and they got so restless. The Bible says that there's no peace to the wicked. Amen. They're like the sea that churns in the waves. That's what they are. They're really restless. They're running from God and rebelling from God and they'll never have any peace till they come to Him. Amen. They'll never have any peace till they kneel at the cross of Jesus. Amen. There is no peace to the wicked is what the Scripture says. Praise the Lord. So we might as well rock their house. Amen. It's time it's time to get stirred up and mean really, 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 really mean business with God. Amen. It's time for the church to stand on what platform that God has given them. You can't stand anywhere else. You need to try. But if you stand on the platform that God gives you, you are, well, well you hear the message today. You'll be unstoppable. Amen. Have we got another song, brother? That's it? All right. Well, okay. That's, that's what they... I'll tell you, you all did really good this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It, it's time for the children's message. It's time for the children's message. If I can have the children to come down here and sit on this front pew right here. Uh, I'm going to put this if I need room. Ah. Can I have the little children before you all go off to children's church? This fellow right here said he was up for it today. Amen. Amen. Just take your place right there. All of you. I'm looking for one of you in particular, and he showed up today. I got a word for a little boy here today. You know, I've, I've, been, I've been blocked and cut off. You can sit with them, brother. You, you, yes, you can. Hey, come on over here. Come on over here. Sit with these children. Bro, brother, Larry, brother Larry has a Christmas present for all the children every year. He loves, he loves these children. Now, we old. We're old folks, but we love children. I know you do. If you love children, you give them something, don't you? That's right. That's right. Thank you, brother. You, you just take your place right there and, and you be young at heart. Brother Larry's young at heart, y'all. How old are you, brother Larry? 66. 66? All right. He, you're five. Oh, oh, oh. He said he was 66 physically, but she said he's five spiritually. Oh, that's good, ain't it? 
Amen. Amen. I've got what I call a blanket prophecy for you all today. And let's see where I got it written down. This is a blanket prophecy. This applies to all of you children. But there's one of you in particular that it applies to more than anyone else. And there's four parts to it. You are a gift from God. That's nothing profound. You are an answer to prayer. You have a big dream inside of you. Big dream inside of you. There's no telling what you children will turn out to be when you get grown. Got a big dream. This little fellow right here, he's got a big dream. <laughs> he's smiling about it. Do you like VBS? It was fun at VBS, weren't it? This is the overflow from VBS. Oh, you got one of them cubes. Can you solve it? Have you learned how to get all the colors on the same, on the same thing yet? Well, you keep trying. You'll get it. You'll get it. You will. You just keep trying. And the uh, last part of it, the last part of it is you will make history. You're four. And you're four. How, is this your sister right here? That's your brother. Okay. But, but okay, but y'all love her, don't you? Okay. All right. Well, it's all right. You can talk back to me. Amen. I want to hear from him. Amen. You almost got it. You keep trying. Well, look, I brought, I brought, I brought something today. How many of you have got a bicycle? Anybody got a bicycle? I have a bicycle. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Mr. Mike is going to try to ride this bicycle from over here to over there. Oh, I have a bicycle white ride. I'm an old man now. When I, was, when I was a young boy, I used to ride my bicycle all the time. I could, I could make it stand up on the back wheel and I could have rode it on the back wheel from over here to over there one time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I rode, I rode everywhere on my bicycle. It's fun and it's good exercise. He's got me. Okay, ding, ding. Well, my bicycle had a ding, ding on it. It had a horn and a ding, ding and a light. It had a generator where I could ride it at night and shine the light. Woo-wee. Look here, I even put uh, these, uh, these uh, cards like people play poker with in the spokes, and it would make a noise when I rode down the highway. You know, I rode that thing. This is my daughter's bicycle. Um... This is an in-between bicycle because when I bought it for her so she could be with all her friends in Bethel, her name is Beth, and she was too big for a 20-inch and she weren't big enough for a 26-inch. So this is a 24-inch. And when she got it, I had to let seat down real far and do all that stuff so she could ride it. And now I ride it once in a while. I rode it, I rode it about Monday. I rode, I rode about a mile on this thing Monday. And uh, I didn't ride it to really practice for this. Uh, I rode it one way, and, uh, and, and it's been hanging up 
in the barn for over, it's been hanging up and sitting still for about 30 years. That's a long time from now. So it hadn't really been used in a long time. But you know, if you learn to ride a bicycle, you're going to fall off before you learn how to ride. That's part of learning how to ride is falling off. But if you fall off, you know what you got to do? You got to get back on. That's exactly right. Say that again. Get back on. Get back on. Get back on. That's exactly right. If you fall off, you got to get back on. Now, if Mr. Mike falls off this morning, he's going to get back on. I don't want to fall off. Um, there's, a, there's a man in the Bible. Okay. All right. Amen. Well, there was a man in the Bible. This is a little quick sermon whose name was Peter, and he was Jesus' friend. And Peter says, I'm such a good friend of yours that I will never fail you. I'll never let you down. But Jesus said, Peter, says the devil wants to take you and make you fall and make you fail. But I have prayed for you, and when you get back up again, it's going to make you stronger than you were before. And I want you to strengthen other people. Let them learn from the lesson that you had to learn. So before I get on this bicycle, I'm going to have one of you all pray for me. Yeah. And I, and I want you to just be quiet just a little while while this little fella beside of you, he's the one I want to pray for me. He's, he's the one I want to pray because I think he's got a big dream inside of him. So I'm going to help you pray. Would, would you do that? I have a big dream. No, be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet and let him speak now, okay? Let him, let him speak. Okay. See, 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 it, he... He's a little bit shy to, to speak anyway. So, so let him speak, okay? All right. You, are you going to help me? You going to pray for me? I'm going I'm to say the words, then I'm going to let you say them back, okay? Uh, I'm going to say, Father God. Father God. Bless Mr. Mike. Bless Mr. Mike. Hold him up. Hold him up. Don't let him fall. Don't let them fall. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, thank you.
You ever seen anybody ride a bicycle for No. You The hardest part of the day's over with. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, praise the Lord. The hardest part of the day is over with. Mm. That's that's the lesson. That's the lesson that the children can go home and say, I saw something in church that I ain't never seen before. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, today's message is unstoppable. title of today's message is unstoppable, and it's in Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Ooh, I left my water. I got such a dry mouth this morning. Mm. 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 Luke chapter 13. The same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cares, cures today, and tomorrow and the third day I shall be perfected. I think that's all I gave you. I may, I may go down later on and, and follow through a little bit further in Luke chapter 13. But there is a showdown that occurs in this portion of Scripture. And Jesus is unstoppable. I got some notes somewhere. Let me see where I get started. I got, you know, the hardest part is getting started to anything. I didn't put down many notes because I wanted to be free to let the Lord take me anywhere this sermon carries me this morning. The Lord's already done a great work here today. I remember a man in church one time talking about that there was a fellow while they were talking about the Lord. He said, I might believe in God if somebody came in this place and and uh, did a handstand over by the, by the freezer box over there. And it weren't long before a man came by and did just that. And he asked him why he did it, and he said, I don't know. He says, 
I was just driving down the road and, and the Lord just kept hitting me with that over and over and over again to do that. And so he went in there and did it. And that was the confirmation that that man needed that God was real. And some of us, we know God is real, but we hadn't comprehended just how real that God is. I mean, we've let him into our lives to a certain depth, but he wants to go deeper into our lives. He wants us to give everything that we have to him. He wants ownership of us. He wants us to believe him for whatever need that we have. What I'm saying is, there's a, in, in one part of this message, there's, there's the, uh, this is a threat, and the outline goes like this. If, if we can go to slide four, the, the insidious threat from the kingdom of darkness. And that word insidious is a big word. I, initially in preparation, I had taken that word out and just was going to say the threat from the kingdom of darkness. But when I opened it up after I'd given the presentation to, uh, to those that put it on the screen for us, I noticed, well, there's that word. I'd left it in there. And then since I, let, since I didn't take it out, I began to think about that. Well, maybe the Lord wanted me to leave it in there then. And I know it's a big word, insidious. I asked my wife, I said, Janet, you know what insidious means? And, <laughs> and uh, she didn't really know. And I didn't know. I don't know how that word came to me. But another word that's similar to that is the word sinister. Sinister. It's what you call a synonym for it for all you English teachers. And there's another word uh, to that that's almost, uh, what it does is it, it's beyond evil. That's what I'm trying to get. That word for insidious and sinister, and I'm looking for another word that is just, that is, that is just beyond evil. Because it's not enough just to say that the kingdom of darkness is evil. We believe in good and evil. We, we I'll just use example of God first, because sometimes you need to use something that's good to describe something that's not good. So we, we believe that God is good. God is good, but have we really comprehended just how good that God is? We believe that God is great, but have we really comprehended just how great that God is? We believe that God is powerful, but have we really comprehended just how powerful that God is? Now, the title of this message today is Unstoppable. And what happens when something that is unstoppable meets something that is immovable? That's a philosophical question. If you Google that, you're going to come up with all kinds of answers. Science is going to tell you one thing. Philosophy is going to tell you another. There'll be another, uh, there'll be another area that'll give you some other thing. 
But, and there'll be even some people that say there's no such thing as something that's irresistible or unstoppable. And there's no such thing, well, either one. There's nothing, there's no such thing as the unstoppable and there's no such thing as the unmovable. But we know better than that. God is unstoppable. When we say that He is all-powerful, He is indeed unstoppable. I mean, there is nothing too hard for God. We need to meditate on those things when we, when we think about the goodness of God and the greatness of God and the power of God and the knowledge of God and all the characteristics and qualities that God is. It's just amazing. Uh, it's just amazing how, how much more that God is than we even are able to comprehend. And then we look on the other side. We know that Satan is evil. The little children would sing this song. I, I sang it as a little boy in church. The devil is a sly old fox. Jesus called him a fox, called Herod a fox. And we used to sing it as little children. Uh, devil is a sly old fox. Oh, oh, Joey's got the definition up there. Proceeding in a gradual, subtle way, but with harmful effects. Stealthy, subtle. I don't know what that surreptitious is. But it's a long word, so it's really got to be bad. Amen. Amen. That's the way a fox is. In the Old Testament, in Genesis 3.1, the serpent was more subtle. means crafty. And here we are with the fox. He's crafty. He's cunning. He's sly. The devil is a sly old fox. If I could catch him, I'd put him in a box and I'd lock that box and throw away the key for all the dirty tricks he's played on me. Amen. My, the fox. In the Hebrew culture, the fox was the slyest of all animals. Most destructive of all animals to them. And if you were a person and somebody called you a fox, that means that you were worthless, insignificant, that you were nothing and nobody. And it was, it was a bad thing to be referred to as a fox. It's like telling somebody they got the devil in them. But here we have the unstoppable meeting what you might call the unmovable. Now who's gonna win in this battle? We know who's going to win. He's won every battle that he's ever been in. Jesus has won every battle that he's ever been in. He's the champion of our faith. And he's unstoppable. He's unstoppable. He's unstoppable. Unstoppable. Now, they brought a threat to Jesus to try to get him to stop what he was doing and run and hide. Said Herod has issued a death threat and the Pharisees said, we are happy to deliver it. You remember the Pharisees, don't you? The Pharisees were were some of Jesus' greatest opponents. And Jesus stirred them up from time to time. How, anybody know what Jesus called Pharisees? Hypocrites. 
says you're like a grave that is, or, or a tomb that's clean on the, well, he says you may clean the outside of the platter, but the inside of the platter is just, just rotten. And he had scorching words for the Pharisees. And he angered them. And on many occasions, they said, we, we need to find a way to get rid of this man. And they listened to his words so that they could find something to accuse him and condemn him. And they delivered this message unto him that day. And instead of Jesus stopping what he was doing, he said, you go tell that fox. That's the way he talked to him. And Jesus is our example for us to learn how to talk to the devil when he comes to us. Jesus said, you go tell that fox, that cruel, murdering, nothing. He, he thinks he's a king, but I, I am the king. You go tell him. Jesus talked to him just like he was the devil. And Jesus said, I cast out devils. You're just another one. You're just another one of them. I do this every day. I cast out devils. I heal the sick. I preach the gospel. And I'm going to be doing it today. And I'm going to do it tomorrow. And I'll be doing it the following or the third day when the Lord enables me to finish the work that He sent me here to do. And then He's going to do His greatest work. He didn't let Him know that. But His greatest work will be done when the devil thought He really had Him stopped. But all he, had him, all he had him was in a place where he was getting ready to come out. Amen. And rise up. And he's our example. And we follow him. And he's unstoppable. The God that we serve, we can get behind and know that since he's in, in unstoppable, that he's plowing the way through for us. That he's making a way for us. That he is the forerunner of our faith. That he is the one that makes a way. He's the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He is the promise keeper. And he is worthy of our worship. There is nothing too hard for him. He is unstoppable. So go tell that fox that I'm not going to stop. I'm not afraid to die for the cause that God has sent me here to fulfill. In fact, Jesus said in the book of John, he says, For this cause I came into the world and for this purpose was for your salvation. This is the reason that God sent me here and I'm going to finish the mission that I'm on. So go tell that fox that I'm not stopping. Amen. Not intimidated, not turning back, not backing down. Jesus never backed down. You can't show me an example where Jesus ever backed down when he faced his opposition. I, you can show me one where he, like an invisible man, passed right through the midst of them. They were ready to take him and throw him over the cliff one time. Can you imagine that? And the Bible says that Jesus just passed right through them somehow or another. They, they, in a way, they didn't see him. Well, how could they? He's the Son of God. That's how he can do it. Wasn't afraid. He was invincible, unstoppable. Go tell that fox that I'm not going to be stopping. I'm going to do these things. I want to tell you something that I learned. And Julie, Julie on the radio program, bless your heart for listening to us. I want to tell you something that I learned on the radio years ago. The last sermon I preached to you about pride, 
the pride of face, the pride of place, the pride of race, and the pride of grace. I heard it on the radio going down the road from Derek Prince years and years and years and years ago. And I don't know how I wrote it down or pulled off the road or wrote it down, but I wrote that down and, and that has one of, one, of the, one of the things that was spoken to my life that's never left me. And, uh, and it preached pretty good last time. Thank you, Lord. Well, here's another thing that I learned from that man of God who's passed on to his reward, but what he did in this earth is still speaking to people. And we're talking about warfare this morning. We're talking about the battle. That's what we sang in the beginning. There's a battle that is raging. There's a battle between good and evil. Oh, I didn't tell you about evil all the way, did I? We, we know about evil, but we hadn't really comprehended what evil is either. I want to tell you how Satan works. Satan's like a thief that comes in to steal. Well, that thief that comes in to steal your stuff, when he gets down the road, he's been real quiet. Broke into your house while you weren't there. Or some of them can break in while you are there and steal what you've got and get out without you knowing it. Those burglars that are like that. And the thief gets down the road and when he gets down the road out of clear, he just laughs. He just laughs about it. The devil laughs at us. The devil in his crowd laughs at us as an individual and sometimes even as a church. You know, that's all they got to laugh about. Because the devil knows that his doom is sure. The devil knows that he's defeated. That what his future is. Sometimes we need to do like Jesus did. You go tell that fox. Remind the devil when he reminds you of your past. You remind him about your future. His future. That he is doomed. Amen. So he just laughs. Now this is how, the de- how, now it's bad enough to get stolen from, but this is how evil the devil is. The, devil's, the devil is not satisfied just to steal. After he steals from you and, you, and you, and you're sitting there and hoping that he'll let you go, then's when he shoots you. You know, he, he's already got what he came for, but he shoots you. And not only that, after he shoots you, he burns your house down on top of you. And I, we, there's some news been like that. There's been some news here lately about where people were, were, were broken into and then they were killed and then their house burned down on top of them. So the devil's not satisfied just to get a little bit from you. He wants to destroy everything you got and all that you are. So how in the world can we be a friend with him? How how in the world when we take the bait that he gives us not know that in the end it's going to turn out a whole lot worse than anything we could have ever imagined? You see that fellow that loves to party and drink and carry on and everything and they put a commercial on TV and everybody's smiling and they're having a good time but they don't show you that fellow who's laying, laying in his vomit over there and when he's doing that the devil's just laughing at him. Because that's all he's got to laugh about is my misery and your misery. Our loss when he gets our children and gets our possessions and gets the joy that's in our heart and steals what we got and destroys. 
That's what that animal, the fox, he's a destroyer. He destroys the vine in Song of Solomon 2.15. Catch those little foxes because it's the little foxes that spoil the vine and we have tender grapes. Our tender grapes are our children, brethren. Now, that's the crop. They mess up the crop. That's what the fox does. He's He's not just satisfied to eat those little tender grapes. He wants to destroy the whole vine. Your connection to the vine at least. Brother Max preached on the vine here lately. Tells us that when we abide in the vine, we can bring forth much fruit for God's glory. And this fox is after the fruit that you would bring forth. Destroy it. And then the devil just laughs at our misery and our loss. Comprehend the evil that he really is. He's not your friend. I mean, you, you know people that go, in, go into the place where they can drink till they're drunk and, and they, oh, you're my friend and everybody, everything looks better. Everything looks better the drunker you get. You wake up and find out who you with. My goodness. What in the world happened to me that night? And the next morning, it's a whole different story, isn't it? Well, our, our young people are gone. I was gonna I was gonna go into another illustration. This would be on tape. Maybe somebody online needs this. All right, the boy says, Is it good for you? It's good for me. And then a few weeks later, you're pregnant. And you're not but 14 years old. And the devil's laughing and you're crying. Amen. On drugs, just burn out. Your brain just frizzled. Uh, having brush with death after death. And there you are saying, oh man, this is cool, isn't it, you know? Ooh. And then, then find yourself right near the very death. If you live through it, it's because God has spared your life. And while you're laying there and, and, and you're suffering and you're, and, and, and you're losing everything you've got. He's just laughing at you. That's how evil he is. You thought he was your friend. But now, everything that the devil gives you, everything he promises you, all the fame and all the popularity and all the riches, there's a payday one day, isn't there? Some of us found that out. Some of us has found out what it's like to play with the devil. And, and, it, and it go the other direction for us. Find ourselves in such a mess that we can't get out of it and nobody can help us get out of it. And the only one that can help us get free from it is the one who is unstoppable. Who says, I cast out devils. I cast out the evil that's in your life or oppressing your life so that you can be free, glory to God. So that you can be free and enjoy the joy and the peace of God. That's what Jesus came to give. Unstoppable. And he heals. I want to read you this thing that Derek Prince, that I learned from him. It's on the very last slide, Joey. This is something that I never thought of before. I would to God that I'd learned this a whole lot earlier than I did. When you read the Old Testament, you will find that the miracles in the New Testament were also performed in the Old Testament. 
The dead were raised. You remember the dead raised? How Elijah or Elisha, I get them tangled up. How they prayed for that person and they were raised from the dead. The sick were healed. Remember Naaman healed of his leprosy? You remember all the other things that were done in the Old Testament, the healings that were accomplished by, by the people and prophets of God? Moses prayed for one. Moses even prayed for his sister one time when she, uh, when she talked ugly about him. You know, Aaron was in on it too. <laughs> Miriam and Aaron began to speak bad about their brother Moses. Oh my, what happens in the family and such sometimes. And, and uh, Moses, instead of, Moses, Moses prayed for her, but he put her out of the camp too. He said, if you'd have spit in my face, or if I'd have spit in your face, you'd have been unclean. You'd have to stay outside the camp for three days. So here's three days to think about what you've done. And, but Moses prayed for her. And the Lord healed her. <laughs> oh, that's good, isn't it? You know, there's all kinds of healing. There's physical healing. There's mental healing. There's spiritual healing. God wants you free from all three of them. He wants you to be free, mind, body, and soul, and spirit. Free in every way. But all of those things, even, even, the, uh, even the feeding of the multitude, do you remember how Elijah was fed? You remember how that uh, at the school of the prophets they gathered all those things and put them in the pot and so that they could eat. And uh, you remember that story about the four lepers? How that they said, why do we sit here and die? And, and, and the Lord turned lack into abundance. Over and over again, the miracles in the Bible, they, the dead were raised, the sick were healed, the multitudes were fed. But there's one thing that you'll never read about in the Old Testament that happened in the New Testament. You cannot find the, there is, there is one thing they never did. They never cast out demons. You cannot find an example of it anywhere in the Old Testament. But Matthew 20, 12 and 28 was a distinctive sign that the kingdom of God had come. It was a distinctive declaration that the kingdom, that a declaration, it was first of all a sign and then a declaration that the kingdom of God had come. There's a, there's a slide there that says, if I, Jesus said, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. That was the, Jesus brought something that was new. People in the New Testament never seen anything like that. They never seen a prophet of God deal with the devil. They never seen any individual deal with the devil and end up on the winning side. In fact, they didn't touch it. You know, say, uh, some, some, of you, some of you don't want this right here, but you're in a battle, whether you want to be or not. If our nation declares war against another country, God forbid that it ever would, do you know what that means as a citizen of the United States of America? That means you're involved in a war, whether you want to be or not. And some of you will be sent off into it. Some, some, of, some of your family will enter into it. You may not want to go, 
But that's the way it is. How evil the devil is. You, you know what's going on in Cuba right now? In Cuba right now, there's the government that is trying to suppress the people that are protesting for their freedom. They are taking people that want nothing to do with war and says, you're going to fight or we're going to kill you. In fact, the people that you're going to fight against are your own people. Isn't that something? If you don't fight them, then you're going to die. Look at it this way. Somebody comes to your house, breaks through your door, and they jack you up and say, I want you to kill your neighbor. You're going, you join our, you're going to join our cause. First thing we want you to do is kill your neighbor. Well, I don't want to kill my neighbor. Well, if you don't kill your neighbor, I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to kill your wife. And I'm going to kill your children. So you still, you still how, how you feel about this thing now? Well, I still don't want to kill my neighbor. You're from Cuba. Oh, my Lord Jesus. It's true, isn't it? Absolutely true. It's a wonder we know anything about it because the media tries to hide anything that they don't want us to know from us. I want to get me a t-shirt about the fake news. You know, I, I, uh, I want the truth. I want to know the truth. I want to know what's going on. I especially want to know if it keeps getting closer and closer to my house. And one day, one day, church, if we don't stand up, that's where it's going to be. It's going to be at your front door. And they're going to be taking you hostage and saying, you kill your neighbor. And you know what you do? What happens if you don't kill your neighbor? They kill you. And then the fellow standing beside of this fellow, he says, go over there and kill the neighbor. Your neighbor's going to die anyway. All of you are going to die. The only way that we're going to get out of this thing is to kill that evil person that's going around and doing such as that. And that person has either got the devil in him or he's the devil. When people got the devil in them, you might as well treat them like the devil himself. That's why Jesus didn't back up from the devil. That's why he told us as a church that we're in a battle. Whether you want to be or not. Instead of being complacent about it, you need to take up the authority that God's given you toward it. Because Jesus said, Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. One, you, you may not want to face it. You may be forced into it. But that's what they're doing over there. That's, that's evil. That's pure evil. With people that want to be free. They just want to be free. It's amazing what the devil will, how cheap we'll sell ourselves to the devil. You know, for $1,200 or $1,400, we can sit down and be satisfied to watch businesses shut down and places we love to go and enjoy shut down and churches shut down and us just stay at home and we're being robbed and the devil is laughing at us. He's laughing at us. 
Some people are starving spiritually. Some people, some people are so depressed and so heavy and, 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 they, and they need to be, they need to be, they need that fellowship, they need that strength. And, 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 and that, when you lose it and get it back, I don't know. There are some people that say, well, we've been shut down before. I reckon here it comes again. And there'll be other people that say, well, we were shut down one time but I don't want to be shut down again. I'd rather die than be shut down again. I'd rather take my chances with God. Amen. I'd rather take my chances with God. Now, I'm an older man, so I don't have much time left anyway. <laughs> I mean, the Lord's been so good to me. If, he, if my life was to be over this week, I don't, I don't have anything to complain about, even though I have a tendency to do that. <laughs> Oh, the Lord whooped me good here lately for complaining. My goodness. He wanted to change my attitude. He, mm. he just stopped the flow of everything into me. Couldn't pray no more. Couldn't have no joy for a while. Man, I was just as miserable as the people I complained to and all that. Made them miserable. You know, the devil loves misery. He just loves misery. He loves people that suffer. But Jesus wants us to be free. <laughs> he came to give us life. And He didn't take no junk from the devil. It's time for the church to rise up just like He did. God's given you authority. If you'll draw near to Him, He'll show you how to, how to get above things. He'll show you how to be the head and not the tail. He'll show, you to be, he'll show you how to be above and not beneath. <laughs> he'll, he'll show you how to live in blessing instead of loss and failure and misery. That's what He offers to you. I think it's a better deal than what the devil offers. I, I, tried, I tried what the devil offered, and I mean to tell you, it's a wonder I've lived this long. Mm. I fell off so many times, but got back up again. Some of you, the Lord is speaking to you. He just wants you to get up one more time. And here I am at the weakest point in my life. Here I am at the weakest point in my life. I'm old. Brother William Caps, you got my last name. I don't want to crawl under the house. I don't want to crawl under a house or get on top of a house no more. I've done all that. I mean, I, I don't want to do that anymore. But I reckon if the Lord, if, if I had to, I could. But I don't think I'd last very long. <laughs> uh, because there's not that much left in me. The devil thinks, you know, the church is graying. All over our country, the church is graying. There are a lot of gray-headed folks in the church. And the devil thinks that he has got the church at its weakest point. But I got a word for you. This is what the Apostle Paul says. Though the outward man perish, the inner man is renewed day by day. I don't care how old you are physically. God can make you spiritually strong. Because all you need is the word of your testimony to overcome Satan. Amen. 
Revelation 12.11 says, They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives to the death. For some of us, in this end time, it may be a battle to the death. But it's our testimony. Bible says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. God's raising up prophetic things in this last day in which we live. And God's raising up a spirit of Elijah. We sing about there's no God like Jehovah. These are the days of Elijah. That same spirit that Elijah had when he went up to Mount Carmel and there was a showdown. You remember that? How, how that the prophets of Baal, 450 of them, they began to cut themselves and they cried out to their God for, to send fire. <laughs> and they cut themselves and they danced all around and they, you know, they prophesied to their God and they did all these things. And Elijah, Elijah sat over there and he said, maybe your God's on vacation. <laughs> you remember how he talked to them? He talked to them just like Jesus is talking about Herod and, and that crowd. You know, Herod represents the devil and the Pharisees represents the little devil's crowd. There's a point that I had in there that it's, he's evil and they're the evil that men do. And Jesus' word to Herod was to all them. Elijah said, maybe your God's gone on vacation. It's 20 minutes to 12, y'all. Praise the Lord. So we got a little time. If you'll give it to me. I'm, I'm getting to where I want to go. And, and then Elijah, the Bible says that he rebuilt the altar of God. He took 12 stones that represented the 12 tribes of Israel, God's chosen people. And he built that, he rebuilt that altar. There was a time in my life when I was a sinner, I told my wife, we went to a church and there was nothing wrong with this church. The pastor came and visited me. He was a good man. Nothing, it, it was me. It was me. I was fighting against God. I was running from God. I was finding, I was, I was like a drowning man. I was reaching for everything I could hold on to to keep me from going under, but yet not really to get me out of the water. And, and I told my wife, you know, that church didn't have an altar. In fact, it was like, almost like a storefront church. They, they were doing the best that they could with what they had, and they didn't have an altar. So I come home, I tell my wife, I said, I ain't never going to a church that don't have an altar. You know, I ain't, ain't never going to a church, had an altar. She says, well, we won't go back there then. So she started going to the church where I, was a, where I went when I was a little boy. You know, with all those memories when I was a child. Started going there. And the people there loved her. You know, of course she was family. They treated her like family. Of course she was. <laughs> it was just a double blessing, weren't it? Treated you like family. But oh my goodness, she got saved. And then she started telling all the folks at church, pray for my husband. Pray for my husband. About every time you went, probably. And um, 
but I wouldn't go. So I finally went a time or two, you know, like some of you all do, time or two. It's all right. The Lord, I was walking down the road the other day and I was just thinking about how patient the Lord is. How long-suffering the Lord is. There's a scripture that says, God is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is so patient with us. God is so long-suffering with us. God loves us so much that He's willing to wait for His turn and His time, make things just right. That's what happens when the church prays for individuals that are lost. The Lord is using those prayers to bring the person, whether he's over here or over there, to, to come where, where whatever circle and whatever wandering and whatever stray place that they've come from to finally come down to the place where they can kneel at the cross and find salvation. And not only that, just like Peter, after you know the Lord and you fail the Lord, Jesus said to Peter, before the rooster crows, before that rooster jumps up on top of this thing right here and, said, and does what he does every morning, you will have failed me three times. You know what Peter's response is. You know, he says, Lord, you know, that will never happen to me. But it did. You know, same thing that we do. That's the power of the devil. That's the power of his evil to just drive us sometimes into doing what we don't even want to do. Distracting us. Ambushing us. You know, that fox, he has, what he does is he's cunning. He sneaks in real softly and then he pounces. That's part of his tactics. Another thing about the fox, he's not content just to eat one chicken. If I'd have read you the rest of this scripture, you'd have heard about not only the fox, but the hen. You know, it's a bad thing when the fox is guarding the chicken house, ain't it? <laughs> well, it's nothing to laugh about, but we've all said that before. Well, looks like the fox is guarding the hen house, doesn't it? The fox is not satisfied to just kill one chicken. That's all he can eat to begin with. But he'll get in a killing frenzy and he'll kill as many as 30 chickens in there. Just rip their heads off in a killing frenzy. And the only thing that stops him is either exhaustion or he runs out of victims. And that's what, that's what happens when the devil gets started, brethren. The devil's not satisfied to get the one that he starts with. He wants to rip the head off of every one of us in a killing frenzy. So, as Andy Griffith's sidekick, Barney Fife says, Jesus, Jesus nipped it in the bud. <laughs> every time he was confronted by it, our pastor preached on it. Let us alone. What do we have to do with thee, Jesus of Nazareth? 
Jesus said, shut up and come out. You're not going to stop me, devil. That's what Jesus said. Not going to put up with your mess, devil. This is my house. I'm in the house, Jesus says. This is my property. This is my house. But when Jesus wept over them, he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that kills the prophets and stones all the messengers that are sent to you. Oh, how I would have loved to just taken you little chickens, biddies. You know, we're Johnston County. We call them biddies, don't we? How I would have loved to just took you and covered you with my wings, but you wouldn't let me. Behold, your, your house. Your house is left unto you desolate. Jesus said, your house. Through this message, I learned that that day, that Sunday, a few weeks ago, when I stood up and made, I, I didn't realize that I was making a declaration. I was making a declaration when I said, this is the house of Shekinah. What I was declaring was that this house belongs to God. This is God's house. All the parking lots around this house belong to God. And I want you to know that you're in this house. This is God's house. And you've got His protection. You've got His authority. Jesus is in this house. There's a verse of Scripture where Jesus did a miracle. And it says Jesus was in the house. And the power of the Lord was present to heal the people. And that's just what he did. He called them out. If they didn't come forward, he went to them just like we did today. Brother Matt come, come, came up to me and says, there's some people that I feel led to pray for. And I knew that if we brought them down here, it would mess up the service. It would, it would take away from it. I mean, I mean it, would, it, would have, it would have been good. It would have been good for you all to come down here and we to pray the prayer over you. But I'm going to tell you what we did this morning. I think it worked. Didn't it, Brother Matt? I believe that worked this morning. I believe, I believe that some people that we went to and did it like God was calling us to do it. We still, we still did what wanted to be done. God still answered the leading of his heart. I feel like we, and I said, well, brother, let's come on, let's do it. Let's do it, brother. We come on and we do it. Praise the Lord. I, wanted to, I really wanted to call you when I found out on the prayer tree. I wanted to call you, Brother Frank. I wanted to go to you. I had intention to go to you, but the Lord didn't really want me to go. To, the Lord didn't really release me to call you or go to you and find you. I knew that you had enough strength to make it through the storm. You had enough strength to make it through the storm. I noticed when you come in this morning that you was a little heavy, that you could feel a little bit let down, but you made it through the storm. Sister Judy, God didn't let you die. Psalm 18 says, I shall not die, but I will live and declare the works of the Lord. You're here this morning. You didn't let the devil, you didn't level, let the devil block you. The Lord healed you enough to raise you up and get you in this house this morning and to be in this and to enjoy what God has given this morning. And praise God, God has not failed you. God has not forsaken you. You've learned that God can take you through what you got to get through if you don't have nobody else. But we love you and we care about you. And we did pray for you.
Amen. I sure did pray for you. There's some people that have been going through some difficulties and having heaviness in their lives and, and, and going through storms. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you up now. I'm going to invite you to come now, just like Brother Mac said. I'm going to invite you to come. Jesus is in the house. The power of the Lord is present here to heal the people. If you're, the Lord wants to save you before He heals you, but if He has to heal you before He saves you, He'll, he'll do that too. There are people that Jesus, well, one of them, you know, the, we talked about that, the four coming down from the roof. They brought Him there for healing, but Jesus told Him, says, your sins are forgiven. There's something that you need more than healing. You, you need to get your soul right with God before you get your body right with God. You get your soul right with God and you'll put, seek the kingdom of God first and all these things shall be added unto you. All these things that you want, that you care about, that you think God ought to care about them as much as you do and that He ought to come right in the middle of them and get you out of it. God's trying to teach you something through all that. Jesus was made perfect through His sufferings and there's a time that comes there's a person that was waiting at the gate called Beautiful. He'd sat there day after day after day and you wonder why he sat there. Well, he was waiting for Peter and John to come along so that they could do the work of the Lord Jesus after Jesus was risen from the, uh, from the dead and gone back into heaven so that the church could really get established. Jesus had waited for, left him there so that they could heal him. This man who had never walked in all of his life and when the healing took place, that was something that all of them had to say, this man, we've seen him at this gate day after day, year after year. We've put pennies in his little jar that he, that he rattles and says, do you have anything? But one day, Peter and John walked into the temple and they said, you know, silver and gold have I done, but such as I have, I'm gonna give you that. That's what people that come through that door are looking for. They, they need to be blessed and healed and set free by the glory of God and live in His grace and His power. Joey, it's time to hit that button. Oh, no, no, it ain't either. What were y'all going to sing today? Well, I won't go and take it away from you. I was going to add to it. What you got to sing? You are good. That's good enough for me. I, be, I, began, I began to tell you that we know what's good, but have we really comprehended the goodness of God? God is so good. God is so good that He's brought you here today out of His goodness. Moses wanted to see His glory in the book of Exodus, and God went by and showed him His goodness instead of His glory. <laughs> You know, until we comprehend the goodness of God, we're not really ready for the glory of God. Amen. We want the glory first. But it's His goodness. The Bible says that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. It's in the book of Romans. Behold the goodness and the severity of God. If God can't get you to come to Him in salvation by His goodness, what's left? 
the goodness, behold the goodness and the severity of God. Thanks for tuning in to our live stream here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Holiness Church. If you want more information about our church, go to our website, pinelevelphc.org. That's pinelevelphc.org. You can check out pictures, events coming up. Also, watch other services that you may have missed. Also, you can download our free app through the Google Play or the iOS App Store. You can watch our services live or on demand, and you can get push notifications about upcoming events here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Holiness church as well as check out other information that's going on here also facebook users search facebook for uh, pine level phc and you can like our page on facebook get notifications when we go live check out pictures and other things that we post through facebook if you're a youtube fan go to youtube search pine level ph church and subscribe to our channel and get notifications when we go live you can watch our services live or on demand through YouTube. We also have a podcast available for the people who can't watch. You can listen while you drive or work. Go to your favorite podcast provider or you can go to our website or the app for the quick link to the podcast. For everyone here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church, I'm Joey Perry. Tune in again Sunday morning at 1030 or Sunday night at 6 p.m. and Wednesday at 7. God bless.